This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash iFreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Atlanta. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, also in Atlanta. Uh, we have a special guest this week, and that is James Montemagno. Hey, how's it going? It's great to be here. It's good to have you back. Do you want to give folks an introduction? So we haven't had you on for a while. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So currently, I'm at Microsoft about two months in since acquisition, everything finalized. I'm a principal program manager on the Xamarin team here at Microsoft. And before that, I was at Xamarin for three years as a developer evangelist. So if you were in any conferences, user groups on our blog, GitHub, I mean, I just, you know, spammed it with as much amazing Xamarin content and libraries and apps. Before that, I was actually an an iOS, Android and Windows developer using Xamarin at a small startup in Kirkland. So I was a customer, joined Xamarin because I fell in love with it and just love it so much. And now I'm here at Microsoft doing the exact same thing. My job really hasn't changed. I got a fancier title. But with fancier titles comes more responsibility. So I'm just doing even more of the stuff that I love, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and I think for me, if people don't know what Xamarin is, essentially it's a, a native cross-platform uh, for iOS, Android, Mac, and Windows development. Uh, you can do all that in Visual Studio on a PC or Xamarin Studio on a Mac. So no matter where you're developing, you can do that. It's a unique platform. And why I fell in love with it is because I was a C-sharp developer. You know, I didn't want to learn Objective-C and and Java and and boot up Xcode and Eclipse five years ago to do that stuff. I wanted one language, but I wanted my apps to be native. So our approach is essentially to ensure that uh, developers have access to every single native API, but all in C-sharp. We create these C-sharp bindings for iOS, Android, Mac, and of course, Windows. But then you can share a vast amount of .NET logic, .NET, your backend. So think of it like you're building an application and you hit a RESTful endpoint, you pull down some data, you put it in a database, and then you display it to your user. Well, all of that junk besides the user interface can be shared. So 70, 80, 90% of your app is shared uh, across all the different platforms, um, but it compiles down into a native application. So users, it's just an app that's great on the App Store. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's, it's interesting too, because I think... So some people I talk to, they're just like, well, I just, I want to build it in Swift because that's the Apple way. And then there are other people that basically say, I've built my app in Objective-C or Swift, and now I want to expand Android. So now I have to learn Java. And I know a lot of people look at that and they start looking at things like Xamarin or React Native or, you know, NativeScript or some of these other systems that go across these platforms and give them the opportunity to reach beyond what they currently have. Do you find that a lot of people are moving to Xamarin for that that kind of capability? Yeah, so it, it's also interesting because, you know, previously, you know, I was a customer for a long time. Xamarin was a paid product. We have other products at, at Xamarin, like our test cloud solution that works with anything. But, you know, it was always a paid product. So it was expensive. It was a, that, that barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. The nice thing with 
going with Apple or Google is development is free besides your $99 a year or $299 a year for the developer account that we all have to pay. Uh, even if you're a Xamarin developer, you still got to give Apple the money. That's fine. But yeah, it's that it's now that everything is free, everything's free and open source. When Microsoft acquired Xamarin, they made everything free, including our community edition. So there's no fees. It's full fledged, which right. is great. So enterprises that maybe already had C-sharp developers that had MSDN subscriptions, now it's all bundled, which is beautiful. And I think what it is, is it's actually really nice that a lot of people are getting into Swift because Objective-C is so different than everything else that's out there. You know, C++, it's Objective-C++ essentially. But Swift and C-sharp have some similarities, kind of like I like to think of Swift as a a C-sharp, F-sharp hybrid in some way. And we support F-sharp too. But then Java is very close to C-sharp. And then, of course, Windows development is all C-sharp. So right. I think when developers are looking to go from iOS to Android, they start looking at the language and the tooling. I think the tooling in C-sharp, either in Xamarin Studio or Visual Studio, is amazing, really, for Android and iOS development. And then if you happen to want to go to another platform like UWP, maybe HoloLens, right? Like, oh, maybe my, I have some really cool stuff. You can at least start reusing that knowledge there and start building it out. Now, you may not rewrite your Objective-C application or Swift right. application. That's one thing developers ask me all the time. And they say, well, I have this app and I want to go cross-platform. Do I just throw everything away? No, you don't have to. We've had com- you know, developers that go to Android with Xamarin, that maybe go to Windows with Xamarin. And then over time, they may actually convert their Objective-C or Swift app over to Xamarin. And what's nice there is that we support storyboards, nib files. It's, it's all the same stuff. Same thing with Android, Android XML. It's all this because they're native apps. We, right. we, we support the same thing, which is nice. Um, so I think the uptick, we've seen huge, huge gains. I mean, the amount of downloads and users has just been skyrocketing, which is great because that, that barrier of entry... And especially for enterprises, they they have that now Microsoft stamp of approval, which is very important. It's like right. we don't want to buy yet another tool. It's now just included. Yeah. No, it's a good point because you have one whole suite and Microsoft has you the entire the entire spectrum of what you're trying to do from the back end to the database, the cloud. So that's that's attractive for a lot of companies. So I can see the I can see the benefit. We did, you know, in in the old days, T sharp. Just being able to use the language was a huge advance for a lot of people. I mean, I was a .NET developer for a long time, and I grew to love Objective-C, but the, the, the starting out, I mean, most developers, a lot of developers have trouble with, with the brackets and the different things, the different Stars characters. and all this stuff going on. Yeah, yeah it's like I had to start my line with four brackets. Like, what the, you know? Yeah, I didn't love that either. It's like, what? what's going on here? And, you know, I was missing a lot of things that, I'd expect it, come to expect in a language. Yeah. Like the link, the maps. And a lot of that's back now with Swift. I think Swift mm-hmm. replaced a lot of what I missed in C Sharp and even borrowed some, like you know, the optionals. Oh, Swift yeah. That, you know, that's something that if you've done .NET, you're very familiar with. Yeah. So they're both pretty solid paradigms. So you mentioned the cross device story HoloLens. Now in the Apple ecosystem, we've got WashOS, tvOS. What's the, how do you uh, set up your project? And iOS and macOS. Yeah. I've, I've heard of those things. Yeah. iOS. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is, that, is that popular? <laughs> it's, it's just, we talked so much about iOS. I wanted to make sure we said macOS. macOS. Well. Yeah. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> so what's the, the cross-platform story? How do we, can we use C-sharp to share code between all these devices? 
Yeah, so it's, it's actually interesting. I also forget. And all my slides, whenever I present, is iOS, Android, and Windows. But I always say Mac OS because, um, honestly, the uptick now since Xamarin is free is like a lot of developers have these Windows applications that they want to port over to Mac OS. And, and Xamarin's there for you, too, to do that and, and leverage those out, which is nice. And, and I always have said for a long time is that, you know, it's great if you pick a cross-platform tool and you can get to, to mobile, phone, and tablet really easily. But what happens when your company expands and starts growing into other areas and want to find other venues to get your app in front of? Or what happens when Apple comes out with a brand new product and you want to be there like day one ready to go? Or Google does it too, right? We have all these great products from all three companies that are out there. So with Xamarin, we've, for iOS first, we've always had great same-day support. We ship same-day support for iOS 10, which is really awesome. And a long developer preview, we do the same thing for Android. No, not quite always same-day support, but mm-hmm. if you're any Android listeners, we know you know I'm an Android fanboy. But for a long time, you you have some time. Android N, it's like 0.1001% of the market, right? So same-day support, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so same-day support means, so I can start uploading an iOS 10 uh, against the GMC of Xcode with the upload application uploader to actually ship my iOS 10 app to Apple. That means that we have an official build that we stamp certify and say, this is the build that you can go. Often that's our stable release that's available. But sometimes it is a beta. It's like, it's still waiting for this, but we approve this. This is good. You're going to go. There's okay. no, nothing outstanding and you can ship that. And that means you have all the APIs, everything available to you, which is nice. But what we did with iOS 10 is we said, well, this is a big, like this was a big WWDC. It was a big release. A lot of people weren't really aware because it's, it's, I'm sure iOS developers, but the Xamarin developers, it's, it's not just iOS, it's watchOS 3, it's tvOS 10, and it's macOS Sierra. When we shipped iOS 10, we shipped uh, support for tvOS and also um, watchOS 3, which was really awesome. And our macOS Sierra is uh, support is already in our alpha channel. So we're already are getting the previews up of that, of the new builds. And how you set that up is it's a little bit tricky because I think for watch, it's kind of like its own beast. Uh, if you've built any watchOS applications, it's especially with watchOS 1, it was this very lightweight thing that we had to, to play around with. WatchOS 2, WatchOS 3, we have some more full-fledged applications, but you're still not making huge web requests from your watch and putting huge databases on this watch. You have to be very aware of it. So you're probably doing a little bit more talk back to your main application where tvOS, like that's an always connected, awesome device that you can do anything that you want. So I think that what you're, what you're building essentially with Xamarin is, is multiple user interfaces. So you have your, your tvOS UI, you have your um, watchOS UI and you have your iOS or iPad, you know, iPhone UI with AutoLay and all that stuff, right? And then you have this big, huge shared code layer. And some of it may go into your watch products, some of like your, your objects, like I have this person, I have this car, these things that are going to be shared. So when I add a new property, it's available everywhere. Um, and you may be doing some special communication between your iOS application and watchOS application. But tvOS, I think, gives you a real beautiful way to work because you can share all that same code that you're probably putting in your iOS and Android application and just build a unique user interface on top of it. And the same thing goes for, for Google with Android Wear and Android TV to a lesser extent. I don't think they get kind of as much love. I think Apple's done a, a phenomenal job of really pushing developers to build watch devices or applications and tvOS devices. 
And now even iMessage applications. I think right. uh, people didn't realize, I didn't realize, I was talking to my buddy Frank Kruger, he was an independent developer, and he's like, he's like, it's its own app store. Like uh-huh. it's your own, and we have support for that too, which in sticker packs and all that stuff. Yeah, we did an yeah. episode on that. It's really exciting, just all the different capabilities that you get. Yeah, there's so much. And we're doing something actually pretty unique at Xamarin. And, and when you think about, you know, you talk about what, what uh, Apple is doing, but it's what Google's doing, what's Microsoft doing, and where can we go with all this code is uh, we've created kind of the standard library. That's kind of unique. It's kind of like traditionally you, you may have some, a library that you share between your Mac application, your iOS application, and it's just some like um, Cocoa, you know, some Objective-C code. And same thing on Android, you have some Java libraries that you're sharing. So we're creating this .NET standard library. We've had multiple ways of sharing code, but we're simplifying all of it. Mm-hmm. And what we said is, listen, there's there's WPF applications, there's old Silverlight applications, there's ASP.NET applications, there's Xamarin iOS and Android, Mac OS, there's Unity applications, and all these platforms that you can put C-sharp code on. So we said, let's create one standard library, all the APIs in .NET. And you just simply add it to whatever project you want. So you have all this amazing library of .NET available mm-hmm. to you. You can share it anywhere. And it's guaranteed that all the runtimes are going to actually implement that. And that's really cool because Unity, which is not a Microsoft property, it's the most popular game engine and framework out there by far. You know, they're adopting, they've had Mono, like a fork of Mono for a while, mm-hmm. but they're adopting the, the newer open source Mono that we have and pledge support for putting in the .NET standard. So imagine... Having one library that's doing all of your online, offline data synchronization between all of your applications on Mac OS, on tvOS, on Android, on Unity games, all that can be shared mm-hmm. across the applications. And, and that's the the dream that I've been I've been living for five years. And now we've just simplified the process to really just make it drop dead simple. There's my shared code, and it's just code that's gonna work. So I, I guess what I'm wondering is let's say that I have been building iOS apps for a while and I'm looking at these capabilities and I'm going, okay, so I don't lose anything by going to Xamarin. I, you know, I have to learn C sharp if I don't already know it, but you know, a lot of the tools look the same. A lot of the capabilities are the same. So, you know, is, is it going to more or less be the same process with the same kinds of tools and the same kinds of processes? for building and deploying apps is with Swift? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I was a C-sharp developer, so that's obviously why I went immediately towards Xamarin. I POC'd with everything. I've written Objective-C apps and Java Mm -hmm. apps. We've all had to boot up Eclipse at one time in our life and then never try to boot it again. (laughs) Um, Please, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, things got a lot better with Android Studio, especially the 2.0 release. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some things that we can't get rid of, right? We can't get rid of like the application uploader, provisioning profiles. We can simplify that. Like you still have to have a Mac for iOS development, even with Xamarin, even if you're on a PC all day. We do a remote build and compilation, but your provisioning profiles are there. It's, you know, Apple likes to, to, to do their thing. And we live, it's just like a terms of service with every new update to iTunes or iOS. I'm going to just hit accept and, and go with it and read it, of course. But we're, we're following what Apple um, has guidelines for, the EULAs that developers um, agree to. So some of that other stuff will be the same. But the difference is that as I'm developing, I'm thinking about my applications a little bit different. I'm thinking about what do I not click, uh, not stuff into a touch-up inside event, right? Mm-hmm. We could put a bunch of logic in there, but should you know? Right. Uh, you're putting a lot of that in that shared logic. 
Um, and I think what's actually unique is, is what we do as Amr is that you're gaining some benefits of the C-sharp language, mm-hmm. which is things like events, delegates, async await, um, link you already mentioned, and there's some things in, in Swift that can kind of get there. But async await is probably our largest paradigm. Essentially, think of if you could get rid of every single callback block in your code and you never had to have a callback block ever again. For instance, uiview.animate. People probably use uiview.animate all over their code. So what you have to do is you'd say UI, uiview.animate, you put in your property and your time, your property, then you have a callback block, right? And then you go do something else. So maybe you fade something out, fade it back in. With Xamarin, you don't have to do that at all because we've C-sharpified and, and updated the API. So we have uiview.animate async. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that you can say, oh, wait, this animation. And when it's done, just keep executing my code. So it's one line after the other, after the other that executes. And that actually creates really maintainable code. I think that's one of the major strengths that we have in part of C-sharp and C-sharp's moving forward. But as I think about the development process, where I was five years ago, I'm sure you were five years ago, and we, you know, five, six, seven years ago, there wasn't continuous integration for mobile. There wasn't continuous delivery. There wasn't, you know, automatic UI testing. Uh, what's nice about uh, Xamarin is how well we fit into not only just Microsoft products, but other products that are doing this. Uh, companies like Bitrise, I don't know if anyone's aware of Bitrise, are an amazing uh, CI and CD service. Uh, some amazing guys and gals out of Hungary and out of London that do this product. They have full iOS, Android, and Xamarin support. Obviously, Jenkins, Team City, these build mm-hmm. systems that we're used to. You're, you're building your Xamarin applications. You're using things with Microsoft like Visual Studio Team Services and building. You have your Kanban board. You have your Scrum board if you want to. Or maybe that's somewhere else in Trello. But you're doing all your CI. Every commit. That's what I love about development now is every commit gets built, deployed, sent up to hockey app or to test flight, wherever I need to go. So I think that's how I thought about how my development has changed, which it's sometimes it's not just about the core of building the application. It's like, oh, cool, I get to share all this code. But what does it actually mean in the high level? Well, it means that you get to use one testing framework to test Mm -hmm. all your business logic. You get to use C Sharp to build your automated UI tests. You can have very similar paradigms of building your application on a CI service, similar paradigms of building it and shipping on a CD service. I mean, hopefully we're never actually going and doing things manually, dragging and dropping files. And (laughs) hopefully we all have that. You know, we all don't. Uh, I mean, I've been guilty five years ago, emailing files around and APKs and IPAs around, as I like to call them. And uh, now there's better ways. And I think it's it's really an amazing time to to be just a mobile developer in general because everything's moving and, and simplifying our lives. If we subscribe to it, I guess, you know, that's the thing is you have to be aware of it. Because when people say DevOps, in my mind, even as a developer, it's like tune out. Like, I don't want to do any of that. And we have this weird, like this, um, this like quote of like, what is DevOps? And mm-hmm. I, I throw that away because to me, I talk about mobile DevOps, which is about what I just said. I want to hit commit, push to GitHub, build, and I have it in a we minute. Should, like we did a whole episode on mobile DevOps. Yeah. DevOps. Yeah. We should probably... Yeah, we'll just we'll just uh, call out that, for yeah. our for our listener and just say, look, uh, yeah, we, we, talked, we talked to Donovan Brown and Josh Weber. Yeah, yeah, you'll get the whole spiel either right before or right after this episode. So yeah, I can do this. I'd be like, I don't want to harp on DevOps too much, but essentially, I think about all the stuff I don't want to do. So when you think about the process, I'm sure you'll have some other episodes on DevOps, but uh, it's kind of that cool process. Um, yeah. But to me, as a developer, part of it, what I like now is that. I don't have to leave my environment experience 
So even if you're in the world, you're saying I'm Objective-C, now I got to go over to Android Studio, I got to go over Visual Studio. What we've done is we said, let's just pull all of that development into a single IDE, whether you're in Xamarin Studio or Visual Studio. And then you're saying, well, James, what about iOS emulators and simulators and all this stuff? Mm -hmm. So what we did is we built an iOS simulator for Windows, and it works very magically in its own little way. But essentially, I'm inside of Visual Studio, I hit debug, and an iOS simulator pops up, or a watchOS simulator pops up, or a tvOS simulator pops up. And I'm debugging my tvOS or iOS application on a PC with all the features of the simulator, plus more, like touch events. That's a, that's a great feature, because if you're coming from Visual Studio and you're bought into the IDE model, you're disappointed by Xcode. Yeah. Just, just that's, that's so true. Like, how do like, I even debug? I don't understand. Like, yeah. You know, so if you, if you, if you're into that model, it's, it's great to be able to, you know, is F5, I can't even remember. Anymore. Yeah. F5, like, yeah. F5 to give it up and, and see, or be able to do your TV and similar stuff. So that's a, a great benefit because there's a lot of plugins for Visual Studio, like ReSharper. Is, mm -hmm. is that a thing? Yep. That's, that's still a thing, right? Yeah. Okay. ReSharper. You have, built in things like code lens, which will do analysis of every method and look at your Git history and put it right in line. I mean, there's so many, I mean, Visual Studio has been around. That's how I got introduced to programming. Back in high school, I was doing a terminal or like a council-based ASCII art games, right? That's how I got started in development. Mm -hmm. I did like a text adventure, like, you know, your, your classic text adventure. I was like, this is all I ever want to do. It's so cool. And like you said, Visual Studio has all these great plugins, a great ecosystem. Like refactorings, that type of mm -hmm. thing. Built in, it's been working for years. Where we're just happy to get anything refactored correctly in Swift <laughs> at this point. You know, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, we actually did the same thing over in Xamarin Studio. So uh, the question I get a lot is, well, now that you've been acquired by Microsoft, what about all of us Mac developers that are on a Mac all day? I don't even own a PC. I just mm -hmm. use Xamarin Studio all day. There's a huge investment in Xamarin Studio. We just released 6.0. So all that stuff that you're talking about, the re refactoring, things like static code analysis and just giving you great IntelliSense. We brought over the Roslyn engine, which is an open source compiler as a service, into Xamarin Studio, which means as a developer, if I'm working in Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio, I get the same exact IntelliSense, refactoring, like all the same code analysis that I would expect, which is cool. And the same solutions and projects open either way. So Chuck's over here working on a Mac and I'm over on a PC. Like we're in a happy world. We can be pushing to Git or Bitbucket or TFS. It doesn't matter. We're opening and working and collaborating on the same exact uh, projects. It's that really nice, not only cross-platform app development, but just cross-platform development in environment. So one thing that I like to discover, at least explore when we say we're sharing code between things. The standard Xamarin format has always been you write your UIs separate. Mm -hmm. you know, so you get your native iPhone UI, you get your native Android, native whatever you're doing, which a lot of people instantly recoil in horror for. But I think that's, that's a feature. <laughs> it's know, a feature, because, yeah. Because you want, I, I'm a big believer that they're different. They're different platforms. They should be different. What about the behind-the-scenes code, networking code? Mm. Because a lot of Xamarin is just a very thin wrapper over you know, our UI kit. APIs, which would not make any sense. There's no NSDRL connection in the Android world. Mm -hmm. How do how do you share kind of the backend behind the scenes code? Yeah, and and so how we share the backend code is it's a great example of that's what a lot of applications do is they go make a web request, a get or a post, and they pull down data and then they deserialize it. So what we have is think of yeah, so you you have a lot of libraries like Java libraries and uh, libraries available 
in Objective-C and Swift to actually do that. And they're different APIs, but they're doing the same thing. And luckily enough, the, the core part of Xamarin is that that you're actually using .NET. In .NET, the .NET framework and the .NET runtime, the mono runtime that's embedded into your application, this very small, tiny runtime, is giving you access to this rich functionality. So essentially, think of your NSURL connection, or in Android, there's there's patches, all these different HTTP stuff, as our system.net.http. That's a namespace and inside a .NET that gives you access to do anything with the web. So downloading, getting strings, getting streams. So you'd say new HTTP client, pass it a URL, and it'll download the string all asynchronously for you. And then kind of similar, like if you want to deserialize JSON that's coming back or XML, there's some things built into the platform, but then also a lot of libraries like JSON.net, um, which is a cross-platform JSON deserializer to deserialize that JSON. So that's like that bulk of your code then that is shared. So your models, this your controllers, if you will. So your if you're MVC you know, type of developer, your models and controllers, all that code, essentially almost anything that is kind of available that a developer will want to do that's business logic is available in .NET. I mean, it's huge. I mean, .NET and C Sharp are based on a lot of what things are doing in Java and, and, and the, the Java runtime and the VM. I was called so available. C Sharp Java++. Plus plus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's based off Java. Yeah. I mean, right? It's just a way better uh, version of it, in my opinion. It, it expanded while Java just kind of stagnated. Yeah. yeah. One, Java's one, caught up a little bit. Type. One other thing that I, I think I kind of perceive here, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that yeah, it's a wrapper over NSURL or whatever they have on Android. But when it compiles the apps, it compiles them to the different targets anyway. Mm-hmm. And so it can properly bind the proper library under whichever system it needs. Yeah. So if you're if you're using like an Android API, you still use the Java. Like they, they exist, right? They exist on there. So you could have access to that. Well, oh, we, you can hook into that too. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Like you could say using Android, whatever. You could bring in a Java library. You could bring in an Objective-C archive and create your own C-sharp wrappers around it. But what we do is something like, I think probably the biggest thing apps do is make web requests. I mean, they just do. What we said is we have our our own HTTP client with its own network connections. It handles everything. We got actually a lot pretty lucky because with the iOS 9 TLS changes, like our implementation gets around it. So you don't have to worry about it. But sometimes for security aspects, you want to go through the native stack. So our HTTP client to make web requests is very unique. You can pass it a handler to overwrite stuff. So in the project setting, what's cool is for iOS, you can say, which one do you want? Do you want to use AF networking? Do you want to use an SURL connection? Or do you want to use our HTTP client handler? Same thing for Android. If you need... Interesting. Like, yeah. So it's kind of cool. And then we just handle that. You don't have to worry about it. We'll handle it for you. Yeah, you pass it through properly. Yeah, you just handle it for you automatically. But it's not like our HTTP client is just some crazy wrapper around the other libraries. It's, it's a full .NET implementation. The code is there on GitHub. You can see what calls it's doing against the mono runtime, just like Android has a Delvacar runtime and the iOS runtime that's there, essentially. Yeah. And I think, interestingly enough, you're talking about the separate UIs, which I think I agree with you 100%. It's a huge, like, that's why I fell in love with Xamarin, right? Native, native, native. But I think... It's almost unfair to call it a cross-platform solution. Yeah. Because it goes to native code and it's got a native UI. Mm-hmm. So you lose the downsides of the you know, the least common denominator things where you try to do both poorly. Yeah. Right. You know? the, the the things that people complain about Cordova and stuff like that. For. Yeah. Titanium. I mean, yeah. It kind of gave cross-platform that bad mm-hmm. reputation for a right. long time. Yeah. And and I think 
that was the biggest point when I started presenting on Xamarin was that I'd have this slide about write once, run anywhere. That was that's the dream. That's everyone developer's dream, which just isn't a real reality when you think about. Didn't Watch Java make that up? Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> once and be not and great everywhere. It never works yeah. for Java. Right ever. once, suck everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we 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 actually did something unique because our biggest request by far was obviously not like we, this the iOS stuff that we added to Visual Studio and all that stuff was the people and developers wanted to write one user interface in in XAML, which is like an XML type markup mm-hmm. or some sort of form factor. They want to say a button. And what they wanted to have happen was when they say button is they wanted the Xamarin framework to lay down a UI button, an Android button widget, and a Windows button. So we, we created a big library called Xamarin Forms that sits on top of the Xamarin platform. And, it, and what we did is we abstracted as much as we could of the common controls and layouts and things. So if you create a tabbed page, for instance, and put some text boxes inside of it, It'll lay down a native UI tab controller and a tab host over on Android with material design and, and tab over on Android or on Windows. And then it'll lay down the native controls and handle it for you. But it doesn't give you everything because something like a segmented control just mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Radio buttons, those doesn't exist in, in iOS. I don't think Apple would ever put radio buttons in anything. It's just very anti. Because they have segmented controls, mm-hmm. and, but they're different though. But it's a framework that sits on top of a platform. So there's implications. So if you're doing like enterprise applications, or I built our Xamarin Evolve conference application with it, and I shared about 95% of code, including the UI is like really powerful. But if you're creating the next, you know, Instagram, and you're creating the next Apple Music application, things like that, where you're really image heavy, video heavy, and things like that, you want to go down this amazing traditional route. But we see a lot of enterprises that are creating hundreds of applications and like, we have this login page and it sure would be nice if we had one login page that we just shared with all of our applications. Right. And, and that's what Xamarin Forms can let you do. And you can still embed traditional controls into native controls, but we did it so you didn't lose that native goodness because that would be the worst is if like all of a sudden it's running in a web browser and you're like, I thought Xamarin was all about native. So I chose yeah. it. No, no, Xamarin Forms is still native. There's some overhead cost with that. It's a framework, right? It's a big, huge library you're adding but at some point you want to expand you want to go to watch os and you want to go to tvos you can still do that okay so the xamarin forms is actually creating the native controls for Mm -hmm. each platform just Mm -hmm. doing its best to make make them both map to each other yeah so that's okay yeah it's pretty unique and it works extremely well if you think of a conference application it's a list of sessions it's some speaker information it's favoriting it i've things like that but like if you download our conference application, I built in about four weeks with the Azure backend to do online offline sync and push notifications, calendar integration, barcode scanning. It's pretty complex. What you'll notice is that the iOS application is unique. It actually has tabs on the bottom where the Windows and the Android version of a flyout navigation drawer, because I did a little bit of work and I said on iOS, that's not really the Apple way of having a flyout navigation. I could have done it and I could have written a little bit less UI, but I took a little bit of time to spice it up. And I even took a little time to do the, uh, <laughs> no one does it, but I, I do it. I love it. On the tabs, you can have selected and unselected different mm-hmm. icons. Like I did that because I spent a little bit of time and polished it. And that's because I, I fell in love with all the platforms. Like I really learned Android and iOS and Windows. And I still think it's still important to learn that stuff, that that, that native traditional stuff, uh, even if you do choose Xamarin Forms um, in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's a good good solution for line of business things things yeah. that people just need to do and get out with their day uh, yeah if, if people don't need to use your app 
it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> but if you, they're getting a lot of value out of it, they need to do their jobs. You know, two platforms you can crank out quickly. Yeah, people can go on and do whatever they need to do. So, on the topic of code sharing, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about taking it a step further, and that is, I talk to a lot of people about JavaScript. Mm-hmm. I have another show about JavaScript, and sort of the holy grail of code sharing is I've got this code. I run it in my front end and on my back end. I can put it into my React Native app or my Native Script app, and and I can put it everywhere, right? So it's not just okay. I've got this common set of business logic that I'm using across all of my different mobile apps, but also on my back end server where people are talking to that system and stuff like that. Can you share .NET code among all of those things? So let's say I have a web app that displays data and has business logic on the back of that. I can share I can share all of that business logic with my mobile apps as well with Xamarin. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea in general. So we have a lot of like ASP.NET developers right. that are using C Sharp already in their mm-hmm. controllers and things like that. Uh, what I did specifically, so I'm not a web developer. I'm, I stay away from JavaScript. I even stay away from ASP.NET. I, I really wrote a lot of desktop application, a whole lot of printer software, and then I wrote a lot of mobile apps. And that's what I fell mm-hmm. in love with. I like be really good at, at one thing is right. what I love. Like I'm an ex, I'm an Android expert. I can do iOS. I can do some web stuff. So for instance, in our Evolve conference application, it has a, a full ASP.NET website associated mm-hmm. with it with controllers and, and things like that. And what I did is there's not tons of logic on the, the server, but right. I wanted to ensure that all of my models, so speaker, session, right. all that stuff, everything, if I change it, it needs to change on my front end and my back end and my database. Mm-hmm. So I have one shared library that's only my models. Okay. And then that gets pulled into my mobile application, into my ASP.NET application, and into anywhere else I need to go. If I create a Mac application, a watch mm-hmm. application, that gets pulled in. So I think of when, if I'm building an application, it's not just one library that gets shared. It's probably a whole bunch of different libraries. And when you start looking at how like developers are building Xamarin applications, they're like, all right, I have this model, I have this database thing, I have this, you know, a REST service client, and then that is shared across all the different components. Mm -hmm. The UI is what would be a little bit different, obviously. There's, there's that dream and, and that, that amazing thing is why cross-platform like Cordova and those other things, like, oh, what if I could just run a full website and then I could embed it in this app and then this thing's going to happen. And it's like, if all that happens to string and all these frameworks run, you know, maybe. But uh, I think that's one part where developers still want more is they're like, well, what if I had this UWP app and it ran in a browser? I was mm-hmm. like, well, we called that thing Silverlight and that didn't work out so great yeah. in the UWP, long run. What's, what is UWP? Ah, UWP? Yeah. Yeah, so UWP is the the universal Windows platform. Uh, Essentially, it's around Windows 10. And what Microsoft did was they solidified their Windows platforms. It used to be like a tablet thing and a phone thing. And they said, we're just going to run Windows 10 everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Windows 10 runs on Xbox, it runs on HoloLens, it runs on Raspberry Pis with IoT Mm -hmm. Core. And essentially, they have these versions of Windows everywhere. And the idea about universal Windows platform is that you create one library, one set of UI, and it scales everywhere. So what we do as Xamarin Forms, we build one UI, and you can build iOS, Android, a Windows universal app, UWP mm-hmm. application too, that scales everywhere too. So you can kind of do that. So Wait, so I can write Xamarin for my PlayStation? Yeah, so... Uh, so <laughs> I know, I'm making a leap, some. but I'm asking. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some... So well, you can think of it like this, right? So it, it kind of gets interesting is... Think about the the mono runtime. So 
The modern runtime can run everywhere, and we power games on Apple TV. We power games on the Xbox. We power games on Linux. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of games on Steam are powered by Mono Game or some other game framework powered by Mono. But also the PlayStation 4. Uh, games like Transistor by Supergiant Games is mm -hmm. a Mono Game game that's super popular. Bastion, which is a game on the iPad super and, and Xbox, like super powerful, um, have gone to those other places. So you're not necessarily building a Xamarin application, right? You're building a, 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 a an application that sits on top of Mono okay. in a way. But you're still sharing a lot of a logic between those applications if you want to. But most likely, if you're building a PlayStation 4 game, you're probably going to be like that game dedicated to right. PS4 or something like that. We have a lot of cross-platform game frameworks. I'm not going to say game engines like Unity, but game right. frameworks like Mono Game or Coco Sharp, which is a, a C-sharp version of Coco's 2D. Mm -hmm. But we said you can build a Coco Sharp game and that will run anywhere. It'll run on iOS, Android, PC, Linux, anywhere you want. We did it for that. And then we also have Urho Sharp, which is another really powerful 2D, 3D gaming and graphics engine. And we're going to bring that library, that that framework over to the HoloLens too. So you can kind of put it everywhere. Again, C Sharp everywhere is the idea of it. <laughs> I mean, you can really put C Sharp literally anywhere, um, which I think is great. I think mm -hmm. that's really the dream that developers have. There's billions of devices and who knows what's next. And being able to put that code anywhere is really intriguing, whether it's in the back end or it's somewhere else. So to me, it's about structuring smaller libraries that can go anywhere. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that you're, you're pointing out all of these different platforms that Mono runs on, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're starting to see this a little bit with Swift because it's open source, right? Where, you know, I've, I've, we interviewed the guys of, that do Perfect. Is that what it was called? The, yeah, Perfect Framework. Yeah, Web Framework. And, you know, and so it's like, oh, okay, so this runs on Linux and you serve web pages that you've written in, you know, Swift. But I don't really see Apple pushing that as much. I mean, they're they're very focused on Swift on their stuff. And so it's it's an interesting paradigm just to see the difference on with with some of this stuff with um, with C Sharp. Yeah, definitely. Like Swift is, I mean, it's a new language. Yeah. Three, huh. three years ago, no one knew what, <laughs> what Swift was. And, but there's a lot coming out. There's yeah, Perfect. Yeah. There's other web frameworks. IBM's pushing really heavily. But, so Swift is evolving right. at, a, at a huge pace. But it's still, it's still nascent as far as... Yeah. You know, well, and we I, just got Swift 3 and stuff changed. And, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the language itself is changing. It's evolving. Yeah. We don't have yeah. the binary compatibility yet. You know, yeah. We're still going to have to make changes for X, the next version of Xcode. So it's, it's not quite at a place where we can do it. But C-sharp's been around for a long time it's a mm -hmm. mature language it's a good development language it's probably the best all-purpose general type language you can do anything with it mm -hmm. which means you can do everything five different ways which <laughs> can be a problem yes but yeah or, you know, or it can be nice yeah. depending on what you care about well yeah. if you write the code it's nice to write the code reading the code sometimes not so much right yeah, I look back at the apps I wrote five years ago. I was like, oh, what was I doing? I was like, it did work that way, but now I know so much more. Yeah. Whenever, whenever Link yeah. came out, I just everything was a map and a fold. And yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, when async await and Link came out, like, it changed my world. And C sharp is still an evolving language. You say it's stable. It's been around for a long time. Right. I'm sure, Java has been along around. Objective C has been around for a long time. Right? These are stable languages. But C sharp is actively in, um, evolving. We just came out with C sharp six last year. C sharp seven's on the horizon. We're adding some really cool support. I say we, Microsoft, I guess. I'm not, I don't have anything to do with it. But the team there is adding uh, some really cool support for tuples. And they're actually pulling some really cool things that uh, Swift is doing. 
kind of, C sharp is kind of a little bit functional because F sharp is doing some crazy stuff. So kind of pulling these little worlds together and inline functions and all this stuff. So it's really fun because learning languages, uh, it should be fun. Um, and I always try to see what's going on with the latest Swift or what's coming next and new versions of even Java as it's slowly trickling out new versions. So what's but, new in C Sharp 7? Like what cool features can someone play with? Yeah, so, yeah, so C Sharp 7 is on the horizon. You can play around with it if you install the, the Visual Studio 15, not to be confused with 2015, but the next version. That's version 15 of Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. They've redone completely how tuples work. So think of, uh, if anyone doesn't know what tuples in, usually when you call a method, let's say calculate number, you pass it X and Y and it adds them together, you can return only a value. Well, tuples allow you to bring back multiple values as a return type. So the tuple implementation allows you to structure it in a way that's very verbose. So you have like nice names. So you can say, oh, this is dot person dot name, person dot this. You can create your own structures to get turned. It works with async await, which is a huge win. We're adding some pattern matching into it. So you can do switch cases are very popular. So you can you can do pattern matching very similar to what you could do in Swift, for instance, right inside of C sharp. And I'm not sure if they're going to finish it for C sharp seven because it's still kind of evolving, but they want to do a, a way of ensuring something is not null. So right now you can have null properties, uh, which are fine. And you can have an integer that could be null, which is usually you, you don't have that. But there's no way in code really to say something can never be null. Mm-hmm. So they want to actually add that into the API to say, when I have this, this method, just put a bang in front of it, like an exclamation point, And then that value can never be null. I don't know if it's going to make the final spec, but maybe C-sharp 8. But these are some really cool ideas. And, and what the, the team there, the language team is doing, is just seeing, like, what are the struggles that developers are having? What are these other cool languages doing? And that's what you see Swift doing, F-sharp doing, all these right. other languages. Like, what are these cool things that we can get in? Even Google's adding some async task type stuff into some low-level libraries, checking some stuff out, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun time. Yeah. Right. We're, we're kind of out of time, probably going to throw us out of this room on our ears, but... I do want to ask if people want to check out Xamarin, if they're looking to, you know, build that Android app and they're thinking, oh, this looks like a really great option. Where do people get started? Yeah, so I tell people, it's also like probably the second number number two question I get asked, where do I start? But you go to Xamarin.com, go figure. But there's a developer tab on top. And I like to say that five years ago when I got started with mobile development Xamarin, this is where I went. I clicked on developer and there's three sections. You scroll down a little bit and it's iOS, Android, Xamarin forms. It's literally the same three sections that have been there, but updated with all the new stuff that we're doing and how the IDs have evolved. And it's like iOS, you know, here's single screen, here's navigation, here's some native APIs. Same on Android, then on Xamarin Forms, and then there's a section for shared code. So I do those three. And then you learn immediately. If you're brand new to Android, you've just learned what's an activity. Well, that's basically a UI view controller, right? How do I navigate? Well, I have these activities, which is kind of like the navigation controller type thing. Same with Xamarin Forms. And then what I say is take it one step further, which is something brand new that we have, which is Xamarin University. Uh, there's a paid version of that, which is uh, interactive learning, like mm-hmm. going to university. We have something called self-guided. You'll find it on the developer tab there, which is kind of like labs, hour, two-hour labs. There's videos and labs associated with it that take you through the entire app development cycle. So you can see exactly how it's done. And, and those 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 labs were, were recorded live. So it's an instructor 
You know, it's not just like someone in a room. It's just these are instructors and people are asking questions and we've been doing that for a few years. So it's really cool. It's all free. That's the nice thing is it's all free. Just go to Xamarin, hit the download button. It's free and you can get started going immediately. If you have any questions, you can email me, M-O-T-Z at Microsoft.com. That's my direct line. I'm not afraid to give it away. Um, that comes right into my inbox. Like I'm here to make developers successful building amazing mobile apps. It's what I've loved doing for the last three years and it's what I look forward to doing in the future. And, and I love it. And it's talking to amazing developers like you and conferences like this and seeing what we can do and really mm -hmm. change, you know, don't want to be cliche, but seeing companies change industries and lives and it's really powerful. Yep. Yeah, that that's a lot of what I'm, I'm about too. I think there's a reason why most of our hosts are on the show. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up real quick with picks. So Dean, do you have some picks for us? I've got one pick today. Now, this convention center is, is massive. This is like three large convention centers put up together because there's 20,000 yeah. people here. So you walk a lot. If you're on one end of the conference, the building A to a building C, we'll see you in a half hour, pretty much. Yeah. I've got shoes that are amazing walking shoes, and they're, they're, they're by Clark, Clark's. So I've got two pairs. i got a brown pair and a black pair, and you can walk forever these shoes they're they're amazing you know i've got dress shoes i've got like a brown shoe that's not a little more casual not a dress shoe but you know a little dressier than tennis shoes so in between but they're great shoes super comfortable they're not cheap but they're not as expensive as some other shoes that you think would be more comfortable so but they're great walking shoes and when these wear out i'm buying new ones so i, I can cruise anywhere for as long as i need to with, with clarks that's my pick Nice. I'm going to throw a couple of picks out there. One pick I have is that James was on React Native Radio, which is also on devchat.tv, and had an awesome interview there. So if you're looking for info on Xamarin, check that out. Check out the interview we did at Build with Miguel. Check out James' episode on iFreaks from a while back. Just great stuff out there. The other pick I have is our contact at Microsoft, Barat, took us to this really great steakhouse last night. And so if you're in the Atlanta area, STK, it's over in Midtown. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's all I have to say is, oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. That's, that's what we said. It. We got the bill, too, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, do you have some picks for us real quick? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So a, a lot of people come and ask, ask me uh, how to learn C Sharp even coming over. Uh, and I stumbled upon this randomly. It's, it's a Microsoft thing, but we have a website called dot.net. D-O-T dot net is the uh -huh. URL. There's a learn section uh, in it. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen because you can write C Sharp in the browser and it'll compile in Azure. And it's all free learning. Like, how do I use link? How do I oh, use wow. structures? It's, it's mind-blowing. I demoed it at a conference a few days ago. And, and people are like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. So if you're looking to get ready, like learn some stuff, it's there. We'll stick with the food. If you're in Seattle, if you ever go, a lot of conferences there, a lot of things mm -hmm. happening. The best coffee shop in all of Seattle is called Monorail Espresso. It's downtown right by the convention center. Uh, burnt cream latte, uh, just a short eight ounce is all you ever need. If you go there on a Sunday, there's a fine, fine gentleman there that's been there forever. Make you the most amazing latte in all of Seattle. And I get, can I shamelessly plug my own podcast too? Yeah, do it. Cool. So Frank and I, um, who I was talked about a lot on this podcast, him and I are good friends. We have a podcast called Merge Conflict, 
which we thought was a brilliant Good name. name. Good name. Yeah, we, we had to live up to iFreaks and all these other great names. So it's called Merge Conflict. And it's at mergeconflict.fm, which is a very expensive domain name, surprisingly. Uh-huh. But mergeconflict.fm, it's a weekly development show, not specific on Xamarin or .NET or anything. We just cover all things in mobile and, and everything. It's really fun. Uh, it's every Monday at midnight. We release it GMT. It's always. So it's there ready in the morning for you. So Awesome. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, they're going to throw us out of here. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. And uh, thanks for coming, James. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be back and, and being here live. Awesome. I know, right? Yeah. Totally different. I love it. Yeah.